Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had well, a million dollars... Well, I'm up at Saxon Jackson. I'm Tom Alley. This is Matt Weber. And the board SP futures down 17. NASA futures down 68 after being up some last night. So we made a little bit of a duck down here. We had a... Obviously a very odd weekend, we have a, which we'll talk about in a second, but here's a, an article here from, uh, um, these major economies are headed into a recession in the next 12 months, Nomura says, by, by a lady named, is this, this is a lady? Su- Sumathi Bala? Sumathi, I assume that's a lady's name, but I don't know. Uh, anyway, she's expecting, or Nomura's expecting, uh, recessions in the U- Euro areas, UK, Japan, South Korea, Australia, and Canada. That's kind of a lot of people. Um, Brennan, how are you? I'm doing well this morning, Chief. How are you doing? All right. Is there going to be a recession in Michigan? Uh, hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Yeah, uh, there, there are a lot of people here who are escaping the Chicagoland areas. Uh, um, so uh, I'm not sure how hard the recession is going to hit over here. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, just uh, I'll get this thing up here for sure. But I, I think the Atlanta... Well, of course, we when you don't like the result... You change the definition, right, Brendan? As an attorney, you know that. That's always it's always about the definitions. The definitions make sure whether you're on the right side or the wrong side, and of course, it also means if you're breaking the law or not breaking the law. Uh, the latest estimate for GDP now in the second quarter of 2022 is minus 2.1 percent. It's gone from this is from the Atlanta Fed. It went from positive point. Three point zero three to minus two point one in the last four days, according to the uh, boy. These guys read all, all these numbers that I never thought were tradable. <laughs> I guess these guys actually look at them instead of me going, you know, going right by them. This is because uh, the, the now cast of second quarter real personal consumption expenditures growth in real gross private domestic investment uh, decreased from one point seven percent and minus thirteen point two. To 0.8 and minus 15.2. So, uh, investment growth decreases. I mean, minus 15% in a quarter? That's a lot. Or that's, that's a lot to go down, isn't it? 15% in a quarter? Wow. Anyway, so they're down to, so the course, first quarter, for those that haven't, or don't remember, don't want to remember, maybe I don't want to remember either, was a negative, a surprise negative. Now, the second quarter looks to be, according to these guys, uh, a negative as well. And back back in the day, in our pretty much our entire life, Brendan, uh, a recession has been two negative quarters of GDP in a row. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, but now now we've uh, revised that into some kind of weirdo thing where a sustained period of of uh, negative growth or, or was it slow growth in a bunch of different sectors, and they pretty much can use whatever they want, right? So you still have 
Right. Out of all the people on TV today, you're going to have 99% of them saying there's no chance of a recession. Yet we've got the entire rest of the world going into one, and by our old definition, we're probably in one. So what about that? Mm-hmm. Gonna be, what does Judge Brendan say? In or out on recession? Uh, I think in. There you go. What, uh, were you glued to the TV yesterday like I was, and I had a... Text my doctor. Who yeah, well, I was, I was trying to follow up with information periodically, but you know, uh, I stepped away for a while, waiting for uh, updates on my phone to come in about whether or not this guy was captured, because I realized that most of what was on TV was was a vortex that just kept sucking in with the same information over and over yep. and over again with the same clips on a loop, which is very unhealthy from a mental health standpoint. So I stepped away for a while, and last night I saw. Uh, a, a clip of the guy being captured up in Lake Forest uh, as background. But it was a scary day. And, you know, the, the, the fact that six people were shot and killed at Highland Park at a Fourth of July party is just stunning to me. You know, Val, uh, Val, Val uh, lived up in that neighborhood for many, many years in Winnetka and on the North Shore and knows that area pretty well. I've been up in that area for races, and it was just stunning to see that it happened. And I was also amazed that this guy who, who did the shooting was first able to gain access to a roof in the center of the parade ground and able to get off over 30 shots, be close enough to be seen by cops and other people for a description of him, and then escape the area without being captured. That, that just stunned me. Well, you know you know, an area is sleepy when you're 4th of July parade is at 10.30 in the morning because people have other stuff to do after. <laughs> It's a, it is my, my, my doctor's office a block away from there. I mean, it, it is really one of the most, it is one of the sleepiest towns I have ever seen. I mean, in this, around this whole area, wouldn't you say? There's a train stop downtown, yeah. a couple of restaurants, and I mean, it's a, it's a, it's what they used to term a bedroom community, isn't it? Yeah, it's a natural bedroom community, suburban community for professionals who, a lot of professionals who work in Chicago. Yeah, you have to train, and yeah, you, everybody walks to the train, hop on the train, you're in Chicago, I'm sure you can express train, and you're real fast, it's real convenient, and the, you know, it's the beauty of this area, really, right? There's really only... Yeah, a, a bedroom community in the truest sense of the word. Well, I mean, there's only really only three cities, and we're managed, we're doing our best to ruin it downtown. There's only three cities in the country, maybe three, New York, New Chicago, and possibly Philadelphia, where you can live pretty far away from downtown and uh, get here real fast, <laughs> you know, without any problems on, 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 on uh, trains. And but no, no, you can't do it in L.A., you can't do that in Atlanta, you know, you can't do that in Houston, right? I mean, it's a, so, I mean, it's, it's, a, ma- it's a massive yeah, advantage. Yeah, none, none of the cities, all the cities that started sprawling in the 60s, 70s, and 80s are so far behind in public transportation compared to the main cities you talked about, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston is another one yeah, that Boston. has uh, uh, city transportation. But for the most part, uh, big city transportation is a rarity in this country. Well, you know, I, of course, the the cries, this is, uh, I, I know where you stand on this, Brent. I was talking to my, my buddy, Dr. Blade, yesterday, a psychologist friend. He's been on the air with us, Dr. Johnson. Uh, Blade is his high school or his college nickname, so he'll always be Dr. Blade to me, but Dr. Mark Johnson. Uh, I mean, every, everybody's crazed about these, uh, the, the guns. And by the way, and I, and I'm, 
I'm going to argue with you on this, not not because I'm a, I'm disagreeing with you. Nobody should have a gun like that. But I I think you have to somehow or another, and I don't know how you do this, Brennan. You got to figure out what is the mo- how many of these. They're all seemingly they were they used to be older, by the way, the, it, at least in my estimation. These serial killers or not serial killers, well, those those guys too. They used to be older. They're all they seem to be all white. Well, now they're all between 18 and 22, it appears, the last few anyway. They live some kind of a life where they don't seem to have any, I mean, who knows more about this guy, we'll, we'll find out, I'm just speculating. Seem to sort of not to have any friends, sort of live in this weirdo bubble. What, what, what the, what is wrong? I mean, are, are the schools, is it the parents, the schools, all the above? Is it, is it the stuff they're watching, or seeing on the net? Is it the, there's gotta be some, the reason why I push back on the gun part is one thing you learn as a trader is if people come up with a rule, the first thing 15 guys are going to sit there, or ladies, are going to say is, all right, well, we can't do that anymore. How do we, how do we get to the same place? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, if ever there was, I, mean, I, I always argue, you know, vehemently really against people who are, are, are at this, this term limits as a, as a as a serious fix to our problems in the legislature, and and yet I'm as tired of looking at Nancy Pelosi and Schumer and uh, the other guy McConnell is the next person. I'd like to see him the hell out of there. Okay, so I, I don't disagree with anybody who feels that way, but all you have to do is look at if I'm if I'm one of these companies that's buying favors, I'll just I'll just buy lower down the chain. I mean, it's, it's not you're not going to harm me at all. And, and what you, in, in my motives, what you're, what you're gonna, what you're gonna do is, you're gonna, you're gonna fight your fanny off to get this term limits thing passed. There'll probably be some sort of grandfathered in crap for the people there that you really want out. And now you can sit and what? In, in your wife beater in, in a trailer with a beer, or in your house with a beer, and you're gonna wait for eight to ten years to see if this is a solution. I'll tell you right out of the gate, it's not a solution. It might be an okay thing to do, and it might get Nancy Pelosi out of my face. But it's all it means is the the, the Bitcoin place is just going to give the million dollars to Jackson's kid in the race against the lady we liked. It just you're just going to work it down the chain. It's, you're not going to you're not going to harm the company buying the the, the legislator, legislatee, whatever you want to call them. You're not going to harm them at all. You're just going to maybe you'll get Nancy Pelosi back to California where she belongs, I, or or, or uh, the other guy, the Republican McConnell. I can't stand either. I, it's it's not a solution, and I think to a certain extent, the gun situation. I don't know what's going through this kid's mind or somebody else's. Now the the the, the gun sure as hell makes it easier, way too easy, and they should be off the street. I, I get that part, but to think that you're going to pass some legislation three or four years from now to, to yank all these guns or ammunition out of here, and and this is not going to happen, is amazingly short sighted. I mean, in, in Europe, what do they get? What do, what do people start doing? To getting vans and driving through crowds. You'll, you'll find a way. In the Boston Marathon, the guy used the bomb. I'm, I'm with you in the sense that it's way too easy, and I'll do that tomorrow. I'll, but to think that that's a solution of any sort, of whatever weird stuff's happening to these people, I think is somewhat short-sighted. Is that, that's my testimony, Counselor. No, pick me apart. Uh, okay. There's a lot of stuff and a lot of convolution there to go from terminus and Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell to, <laughs> well, to the, the gun issue. But, um, to me, it's the yeah, same I, issue. That's I, the way I, my I, mind works. It's, to me, it's the same thing. That's, where, that's how screwed <laughs> up I am. 
Uh, okay. Um, that's a discussion for another time. But in talking about the gun issue, um, yes, there are problems that need to be resolved. And I think that mental health and, and education, cost for education are a big part of it that are very important. However, if this kid did not have access to a gun, if he was using um, a slingshot or if he was using uh, his fist or a knife, he wouldn't have been able to shoot 30-some people. Absolutely agree. Um, so, you know, and a high-powered rifle like this is not necessary for self-defense in the house. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I just uh, don't buy that. I have 100% agreement. 100% agreement. So, you know, what is the common denominator of these shootings? And in recent years, they've been high-powered military-style rifles, military-style rifles that have been used in mass shootings, sometimes with kids, in schools, in school situations. Yep. And I'm tired of the, the trope that uh, I hear from a lot of uh, Republican leaders like Ted Cruz and, and other uh, strong gun control advocates that the only thing you need to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I mean, for God's sakes, you had a parade route in Highland Park with cops all around with guns. In the Rob Elementary School a couple of weeks ago, you had a corridor full of guys with high-powered rifles who were trained police officers. He was still shooting in the classrooms, and they didn't yep. go in. When you look at the Buffalo shooting a couple of weeks, about a month or so ago, whatever it was in Buffalo, New York, in that grocery store, they had an armed guard serving as security. He approached and shot at the gunman who was wearing a, a bulletproof vest and in turn killed the cop. Yep. So in all three of those incidents, you had good guys with guns on the scene at the time the shooting was happening and more bloodshed was spilled. So the common denominator here is getting rid of these guns, make them less accessible for people uh, to have access. And that goes for you know, whether they're 18-year-old versus 22-year-old versus 75-year-old. Um, the, the common denominator is that we as a society have become too dependent on guns and too easy access for guns. And that's where I believe a lot of the problem lies. I'm with you 100%. You know, if you still want to have the Second Amendment rights of gun for a militia purpose, um, to, for self-defense, fine. But they don't need assault rifles or accessibility to assault rifles, especially if it gets into the hands of the wrong people. We don't know the wrong people when when the guns are being purchased. Well, you have, that's my, that's my next point. And by the way, I'm not. You know, you know, because we were texting back and forth yesterday. I agree with everything you just said. All I'm saying is, don't think that you that you if if that happened and we we fought five years to get it done, you can't just go out and have a beer and say you solved the problem. You, because oh, I agree with that. I, I, it, it's much more. It's much more embedded in society. The problems are much more deep-rooted. But that, I think, is the starting point. That the, the, the solution is not to have more guns and more high-powered rifles and things out of the hands of the general public. I know two people personally have these things. guns that were primarily designed for war. And, um, and you know... You're not going to shoot Bambi with an AR-15. No. If you're like, if you're trying to cope your population in a place, you're not going to go out with an AR-15. And you don't fear for your life from a deer having an AR-15 no. to come after you either. Um, so what's really the purpose of a military-style weapon in the hands of the general public? But why isn't, you just mentioned, by the way, talking about covering several subjects, uh, Counselor, you, you did that as well earlier. That you're accusing me of that. 
what is, what is what our, there's a common sense level here I don't who knows we'll figure out whether this guy stole the gun or whatever he did with it I mean, not, we, don't, we don't know anything at least I don't I don't know if you, if you read any of that yet but uh there's a the guy in Texas. Was it was it on his birthday that he came and bought the damn thing with like nine zillion rounds? Don't you yeah. think there'd be a little bit of a common sense there? Like, what am I doing? I mean, uh, when I sell this thing, I and like you say, I, I don't know. There, maybe I watch too much TV, which I don't really, except for sports. Uh, there's there's some sense, there's some common sense. Yesterday, I I just was kind of weirded out by. I'm sure the Highland Park police are, are kind of terrific. I don't. But now, do they were those high-rise buildings? Were people watching the parade from inside? Were they supposed to be closed? Were they supposed to be open? I would think that somebody, someplace, and not all the time, somebody someplace would would go the extra thought mile and say, "Wow, what's it? What is? Why is that guy going to that building? It's supposed to be closed. It's Fourth of July. I, I know the whole building is closed, or I, or I don't know. Or how, how did it, does the, the building have?" Do you have somebody's, you know, car he had a flash by the elevator or something? I mean, I, I get the feeling that our our people are not, I don't know, the, the, we must not be paying for deductive reasoning. I mean, I remember watching well, NYPD Blue uh, when What's-His-Name was telling his kid, the kid wound up getting killed, uh, what was his name, Sipowitz, right? When he said, uh, yep. he said, you know, I, di- I didn't know my district and I almost killed somebody. This guy came walking out of the, uh, late at night, came walking out of this toy factory with all these toys. I thought he was a burglar, and I almost killed him. Realized it was the president of the company, always worked late. He goes, I I didn't know my district, and I almost killed a guy. You wonder, are these guys, you know, are are they just putting in the time? is, Is there somebody who's thinking, okay, if I was a no good Nick, and I wanted to do something here, what would I do? You know, or something. But, I, but I, you're right. Highland Park, the bedroom community, that's probably the furthest thought from your mind. But it seems like, and then as soon as the thing is over, and they're chasing one guy, how many, how many, how many police were there? Every, every new toy truck that they had, alcohol, firearms comes up with this like Brinks thing, that looks like it would stand a tank assault. They're driving in with these, what are these people doing? They, they had a, they had a camera on ten people, they must have been two hours. They're still standing in the same group, talking to each other, texting everybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah. How do we have this massive 400 people show up out of nowhere? Was was there a cop left anywhere on the north side? Anywhere else? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to criticize. I, I'm just questioning. Is there is there anybody? I mean, again, I, I'm watching too much TV. What was the movie? Uh, well, let's go back a minute. I mean, think about what our society was like before. 9-11, as far as security at work. Think about what things were like before uh, the Las Vegas shooting. Think about what we were like even before the Boston Marathon bombing. Um, we had a much more free and open society. And in Highland Park, you know, I think the building in which he shot is no more than four stories high. Yeah. They don't have high rises in Highland Park. No. So all, this is a bank building that I think is about three or four stories high. Which was one of the tallest, if not the tallest building in the area. Uh, I read a report that some of the police officers were asked, how did he, how was he able to pull this off? And, and the response was, he was in a discreet location on the roof and an outside access to the building. 
Now, I don't know whether that's true. That was a report that I heard when I was watching the TV coverage yesterday. And so he apparently was able to get to the top of the building from some external staircase or something like that, or a fire escape or something like that. Remember, uh, a lot of old buildings used to have exterior fire Oh, yeah, escapes. absolutely. We have one and, here. Uh, yeah. They just, they just climb up. Uh, and apparently, you know, somehow he gained access to the roof and, and positioned himself in a way that he was not easily seen before the shooting. And I agree with you completely. How did that happen? How are things not locked down? But you don't expect that in a community like Highland Park the way that you would in preparation for a Super Bowl parade or a Rose Bowl parade in big cities right now when terrorism attacks have happened recently. Uh, you know, this was a true soft target uh, in the uh, things that happened. So um, I, I just don't understand how he was able to get out of Highland Park uh, and be on the run for eight hours. Like yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm a little. I mean, this one here, I, I think is tougher. I, I just, Brennan, as you know, my weakness and my strength is I keep putting different things together, <laughs> but the baby shouldn't be together. But if you open up an account at PTI tomorrow, or any of the listeners do, which, by the way, I wish you would. Uh, first thing we're going to do is is check your ass out. We're going to look at. We're going to go through Interpol. This is what what the regulators have us doing, like we're the police, right? Now, fast forward to the guy in Texas, because that one I know more about. You don't have any responsibility, common sense or otherwise, any sense of decency. There's no number that you can call when an 18-year-old comes in and buys, whatever, 500 rounds of ammunition and an army rifle. There's nobody you can call and say, this seems strange to me. Yet, if we did that, we'd be out of business. Now... There's all kinds of people dead in Texas. The worst thing that happened here is somebody does a trade and nobody likes you. I mean, it's not like you can cheat anybody or anything. You, you, the worst thing that happened is is we accept your check and you do a trade. I mean, it's whatever. And if, if they want to impound your money here, they could. The difference in, in supervision and, and, and you opening an account at PTI or Schwab or any other place, and, and these people at these gun stores... Oh, that guy! That guy looks like he's got four heads. He can't even put three ter- words together. He just walked out with five hundred. There's not, there's not even a place you can check. You're supposed to check. You're supposed to call. I mean, to me, that's unconscionable, Brennan. I mean, I don't know the solution there, but the difference is 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 remarkable. Well, I agree with your statement, and, and I agree with that sentiment completely. And the one difference is that um, there is um, a, a gun lobby that says. You can't prohibit even the sale of one bullet. You can't. You cannot stop uh, a guy who was obviously uh, distressed from buying one armor-piercing bullet because that violates the Second Amendment. Um, when you're talking about common sense and all of these things, yeah, the common sense is to stop the access. You look at gun shows where there are even fewer restrictions than to gun shops, and you look at how guns are traced. Um, and, and where they come from. Uh, but when you have laws that are being put in place, when you have a Supreme Court that says you can't even limit open carry uh, in, in the state of New York, uh, that's a perpetuation. If, if, if compared to what you described in your business, where you know, the SEC and the banking laws step in to say that you cannot, cannot do and how you regulate that, those are not on the table when it comes to the sale of guns or ammunition, even in common-sense situations like armor-person bullets or AR-15 rifles to general, the general public. Well, I will say this for those guys, and as you know, I am certainly no, no gun advocate, uh, but if, if 
if I'm consulting to the NRA, seeing what's happened in our business and seeing what's happened in the banking business where you can't even bring a $100 bill to a, a closing in case you're off by 50 bucks, the last thing, their, their, their attitude that once the camel gets his nose under the tent, you have a bunch of 25-year-old people with nothing better to do running around telling people what to do. They're right about that. They are absolutely right about that. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm agreeing with you, but you don't you don't want these people in your room at all. I mean, ninety percent of what the FINRA does to us has nothing to do with helping a client out at all. It's just people making work for themselves. So I mean, I think I think they're they're right in the sense, as stupid as it sounds, if you if you if if you the first bill says you can't buy a tank, there's going to be a second bill. But I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I disagree. I disagree with everything they stand for. But in that particular piece, when it comes to dealing with our government, they're right. I mean, I understand where, let's put it this way, I understand where they're coming from. I don't think they're right, necessarily. I mean, I, you don't, I, mean, I know you're, I feel like you do. I'm just saying I understand where they're coming from. Once, once, once you get the regulator in the door, you can't keep them out. Yeah, and the counter-argument to that when it comes to the gun lobby is people are dying because of I, I get it. I get it. put even limited restrictions on... Uh, on the sale of guns and ammunition to the general public. I, I agree. Without tracing or without any regulation at all. There's no common sense anywhere, anywhere up and down the ladder, Brenda. There isn't. I mean, I, I don't, these guns should be not, I know two people that have these guns. Why? What are you doing? By the way, did the, mm-hmm. guy, did the guy in Vegas have these kinds of guns or just have a big lineup of regular rifles? Did he have these? No, two? he had assault rifles. Oh, he did? Okay. He, he shot out the window of his hotel room so that he could shoot the people who are at the concert across the street. I, th- I thought he, he just had a bike. guns lined up and were just shooting people. He right. like 50 some people were, were well, shot. I know, I know that he shot a bunch of people. I thought he had a, a bunch of, shall I say, more regular guns lined up, like hunting rifles and stuff. But he did have these kind? He, he had these kinds. He okay. Had, you cannot shoot that many people in such a short period of time without an assault-style weapon. Well, how, how did this guy, the ones you can buy, again, I'm not a, I don't want everybody a gun expert, the ones you can buy can't shoot as fast as this guy shot. Did he have to, uh, you know, what do they, they, they have a, the kit where you can make them automatic? Did this, because they said he and shot. There's a trigger or a stock that you can put on the gun to make uh, a semi-automatic gun shoot almost like an automatic gun or turn it into an automatic rifle. Does it sound like that's what he did? Because it seemed like he shot awful fast. Yes. <laughs> that's what it sounds like from the, from the news reports that I saw. He, had, he was able to get off multiple shots. In a very short order of time. Yeah. Brandon, I wish we weren't talking about this. We talked about the White Sox or the Cubs, because they both lost yesterday. Brandon, take care of yourself, buddy. Stay safe. SP Futures down 21, and SA Futures down 88. By the way, good stuff. Be right back, Mr. Joel O'Connor. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello, North Bank Stacks and Jackson. I'm Tamama Sprint. Weber SP Futures down 23, Nancy Futures down 92. A lot of stuff happening this morning. These things were up last night. I seem to recall seeing the S&Ps up like 20. I don't know what the what the drill is with that, but uh, we're heading south here a little bit. Uh, one of the reasons might be the crypto test turned around back under 20,000. We'll talk about that in a second. This is a review of ways to go. Friday, we had a big update. Dow, Dow Futures were up 321, S&P up 39, NASDAQ up 99. They were all up like 1%, uh, but still it was the worst uh, first six months since 1970 or something. So it was not a good quarter, not a good month, not a good week. Uh, but we're trying to do better this week. We, at least we're trying to last night, not anymore. Over in Europe, we're down, uh, DAX down 140, that's 1.1%. FTSE down 75, 1%. around down 64, 1.1%. Um, the Euro, the Euro dollar is like at a, you know, a recent low against the dollar. So, dollar being strong, which is causing gold to go the other way, it's, it's all kind of going weird here. Uh, Asia, the uh, Nikkei is actually up 269, well, they were down last week, that's 1%. Shanghai down 1, call that flat. Hang Seng up 22.1%. Um, Bonds, we're down to 2.91. I didn't think we'd be under 3% again in a real long time. We're wrong again. Uh, Bun makes you want to think if you want to start maybe buying some bonds here or selling some bonds, uh, buying the interest rates, but we'll see. 
The Bund minus five down to one point two eight. They were up to one point six eight. Japan even down to minus or a positive point two two. They'd made it up into the two five two six range. Uh, oil down fifty five cents, one hundred seven eighty eight. Brent down a dollar seventy nine, one eleven seventy one. Natural gas down a penny, five seventy one. Uh, we've got gold uh, down two bucks, seventeen ninety nine. Can't hang above eighteen hundred here. Silver up a penny, nineteen sixty eight. Copper down ten cents, three fifty. We've got crypto uh, down one hundred thirteen bucks, nineteen thousand six seventy eight. It was up over maybe in the mid twenty thousands last night, so it's dropped here some. Uh, you know, so that's one of the problems. We don't know what's happened to those places. Is they keep getting more and more margin calls in some of the areas, and I think that'll be big news this week, one way or the other. Eddie, what do you got for us, traffic, weather, sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a crash on I-80 westbound at the Torrance Avenue exit 161. It was a garbage truck versus an SUV. We think the garbage truck probably won that. And it's uh, blocking the right shoulder right now with crews looking to get that cleaned up. But that has 80-94 on the westbound side at Torrance. Uh, pretty jammed up due to that crash that's been moved probably to the right stinks shoulder. Probably stinks, too. Yeah, probably not great. Uh, there's also uh, an issue on I-80 westbound at Center Street, which is near um, Joliet. Apparently, there's emergency pavement repairs uh, that has the exit ramp closed to uh, Center Street exit 131. Um, so uh, crews are out working on that. No issues if you're coming in on the Ryan I-57 or the Bishop Ford. We're starting to see traffic building on the Stevenson and Eisenhower, but no accidents to report. Edens and Kennedy are all quiet. Off the expressways, uh, there's a crash on the uh, Reagan Memorial. Actually, I guess this is still an expressway. Reagan Memorial I-88 westbound at Winfield Road in Naperville. There's a crash blocking the right lane. That's our only other crash in the area. Weather today, sunshine early, hot and steamy temperatures, then some thunderstorms later on this afternoon. A high of 84. Right now it is mostly clear and 76 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 103 today. Right now it's clear and 88. In sports, both the Cubs and the Sox lost in 10 innings uh, last night. Uh, Cubs lo- or Sox lost to the Twins at home 6-3 in 10 innings. Sox also had a triple play turn on them with some horrific base running. It was actually the first ever 8-5 triple play in Major League Baseball history last night. I don't know if you saw that, Chief. Uh, I turned it on just when they had just played it, but... First, you got to t- tell us what happened. There's only two people involved, 8-5. First and, yeah, first and second, nobody out. Uh, and uh, the Sox batter smokes a ball to deep center field. Uh, Buxton makes a great over-the-shoulder catch against the wall, and both guys either thought there was two outs, which is hard to believe considering there was zero outs, or they thought he didn't catch it, and they both, neither of them tagged up. They both just ran. <laughs> and so the center fielder, after he caught it, he threw it into the third baseman, who was the cutoff man, hence the five, who tagged the guy that was between second and third and then stepped on second, uh, to get the other guy. And so it was an 8-5 triple play, the first one ever in Major League Baseball history. Yeah, it's pretty hard to even imagine that happening. It, it, yeah, it, it was stunning. You should, Tony LaRusso's jaw was on the ground, uh, and Sox ended up losing that game when uh, they had a chance to, to, to do some damage that inning and win that one. Uh, Cubs lost to the Brewers 5-2 to two in 10 innings, blowing a 2-1 lead in the ninth. Uh, and then uh, they actually gave up a walk-off three-run homer to uh, former Cub Victor Caratini with two outs in the bottom of the tenth to lose that one five to two. Diamondbacks beat up on the Giants eight to three, and it was a uh, JT uh, Poston. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name or not. Uh, he won the John Deere Classic that was this weekend in the Quad Cities. Chief, the uh, Cubs have actually been playing some pretty good ball. 
Yeah, the last week or two they're playing better ball. Certainly watchable. They've won four of the last five series, uh, but uh, you know they're still still not very good. Uh, no, we have Joel. We do, <clears throat> Joel. How are yeah, you? Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, Chief. Uh, I just want to start out and say thoughts and prayers to everyone in the Chicagoland area, Highland Park, and northern suburbs. Unspeakable tragedy. I uh, I don't know what to say. What's going on? Because it's. Uh, a sad thing, and I just wanted to make sure Chicago Land knew I was out there uh, thinking of them. Well, there was a uh, uh, they interviewed a doctor. I don't. Want to, I guess I'll be real brief, but interviewed a doctor who was there. Actually, there were several, and of course, when, when everybody else ran, the shooting stopped. Uh, they went out to help the paramedics, and uh, th- this guy's his interview should be played in front of Congress. He was like. These are because these are war injuries. This is not somebody shot by a thirty-eight. Because these are these are our organs torn apart, people dying like instantly in the street. Because this, these are these are these are these are war these are injuries you would you would expect in a, in, a, in a war zone with with those kinds of weapons. Because it's it's unbelievable the people that that are that are not dead that because we're not talking about a a thirty-eight or a twenty-two in your arm because. His, his body's torn apart by this stuff. I mean, it's it, it's really crazed. I mean, I, I, I anyway. It's a. I, I just hope there's a. Well, I don't know what I hope. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about the guy other than other than they caught him. It just right. Have you ever been up there? I mean, it, it is the, it is the world's sleepiest little town. And you know, you know when you have to have. I yeah. said this before. You know when you have to have your Fourth of July parade at ten in the morning so people show up. Your how small the town is, right, Joel? Yeah, yeah, I mean, everything, you know, echo, you know, your sentiments and what you're saying, and, uh, uh, I wish, I, I, I wish I had a solution, and I'm not a politician, so, um, uh, we just gotta, we just gotta, we gotta change things somehow, Chief, and I'm not sure how we're gonna do it. I think Joel would make a tremendous politician, what do you think, Manny? 100% agree. Yeah. Well, I was president of the student council a few times, but, Did you? uh, did you that, have that Wade? But you, uh, you want to talk? You want to talk USC, UCLA? Yes. You want to talk the markets? What do you think? Uh, I just have one question: Did you buy votes? Did I? Did I buy what? Votes for the student council? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I was just uh, you know just a good. So you, so you weren't a you weren't a Chicago politician. You weren't a Chicago politician. What the? Hey, real quick. What did, what happened last night from down twenty to up or up twenty to down? 20? Oh my gosh! You tell me, Chief. I mean, well, also Sunday night we had a little bit of a dip. I guess me and you are the only ones watching the futures. Yeah. Uh, lower lower liquidity, Chief. You know, and um, you know the institutions or the uh, the machines. Uh, you know, tag up, they team up, they go against each other, and they, I mean that's just the way this market is. It just gets tilted one way with, uh, you know, especially with the lower liquidity overnight. Uh, for me, the way I look at the week, we have an okay end to the week. Let's just try and, you know, hold steady until the jobs number. And, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to wait and see when this recession comes because it seems like, you know, oh, the futures are down because of recession worries. Oh, the futures are up because... They're not as worried about recession. I mean, there's a lot of problems going on. And, uh, you know, trying to tackle inflation, pushing us into a recession, I, 
Actually, I'm just about ready to take a couple weeks off, Chief, and just step away from the markets and just um, let them do what they want to do. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough trader's time. It's even a tough investor's time. And um, until we get inflation under control, this is what we're going to have. All right, so where are you going to go on vacation? Our buddy Carl went to uh, Yellowstone and damn near got uh, flooded out. <laughs> we got other people who went to Europe and can't get back. We got people who went to Florida and spent three days at a motel. Where the hell are you going to go on vacation and not have the same problems? Okay, Chief, you know what an old fogey I am, right? Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm avoiding the air travel. Um, I spend a week up in the Petoskey Harbor Springs area. Oh, that's cool. You ever go up there? Yes. Have a, yep, I've had a timeshare there for 100 years, so it's cheap, and I can drive there. And then uh, my wife and I are going to hit some state parks. I'm actually going to go to the Cuyahoga National Park in Ohio, and uh, then we're going to go on to uh, a bed and breakfast in the Poconos, wow, the wow. Park, and I'm going to go visit my sister in Jersey. Good for I'm you. I'm going to put some miles on the car, Chief, and there will be no delays except for potty breaks. Good I'm for not, you. I'm not going on an airline. Okay. Good. <laughs> hey, uh, real, we don't have much time, but give me, give me your assessment, because I'm having trouble putting two and two together as usual give me your assessment of, of how sinister for lack of a well I'll use that term I'll read, lead the witness how sinister how important is the crypto action here to the market oh jeez man okay how um I think they wiped a lot of people out I I, I really I, I think the only I, you know I think a lot of the retail has been flushed out already and um, so if there's another leg down, I think, you know, it's in the hands of the bigger players, and I think the, bi- the bigger players. Uh, for the people that, you know, are holding on, the retail that's still holding on, um, they better hope that it can get back above 20K. I just can't tell you what important level 20K is. So, um, you know, that's one reason I've never put a lot of money um, into the cryptocurrencies is because... When I want my money, I want my money. Yeah. I want to take it out of a bank. I want to take it out of a brokerage account. And that was one thing that if you're investing, yeah, there's one thing, losing your money. That's a whole other thing, not being able to access your money. So, um, you know, a lot of people did well. A lot of people are getting hurt. Um, I think there's a need for it. We already have a digital currency. Uh do we need a thousand digital currencies? I mean, what's your Visa card? I yep. mean, that's digital, right? So there's a need for a change in the infrastructure and the banking system. I don't know if Bitcoin, Bitcoin may be the solution closer to old, than all these other Dogecoin. And that's the thing that, that I, you know, that people, okay, you get hurt in Bitcoin, that's one thing. But if you're investing in, in coins that were made up as a joke, I mean, I don't know. And as I said, 20K, man, that's the level. We need to get back above and hold 20K. All right, bud. Enjoy yourself on vacation. Drive safe. Uh, we'll have to warn the Poconos. Joel is on his way. Matty, what do you think? <laughs> Joel, take care. All right. SB Futures down Bye-bye. 25. Nancy Futures down 97. Be right back. Kenny Polkari.
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. It's Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tomama Spirit Weber on the board. SP Futures down 27 now. We're leaking a little more. SP Futures down 104. Not as much down as we were up Friday, but we're kind of pushing it here. Kenny, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Happy 4th. Yeah, happy 4th to you. Uh, Thank you. Kind of an odd, odd fourth here yesterday. Everybody watching all this stuff up at Island Park. So I don't know how much everybody up north to cancel yeah. all the parades and everything else. And it was a, I don't know, it was a great day around here. It was, no matter who you were, you're affected by that. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. I started on the uh, I started on the news. I was shocked. Yeah, it's uh, you know, not not, not fun. Um, yeah. So, what, what, uh, things better in Florida? I hope. Yeah, it was really an uneventful Fourth of July down here. I mean, the weather was beautiful, boating was great. There were plenty of fireworks last night. So, uh, yeah, I got you know, I got I got not the negative to say, although very concerned about what happened up in your neck of the woods for sure. Yeah, I found out another. Weirdo thing, we're making this story like two seconds. <laughs> Audrey's a uh, new poodle puppy who seems to be very inquisitive, shall we say. Is that, a, is that a good term for it? She managed to get into a couple of bottles of pills. And, uh, and even though there were two different designs of childproof tops, she managed to open both of them without like just biting through the, the, the pill thing. She opened them. 
<laughs> and uh, so Audrey called like canine poison control or whatever. Yeah. Guess what the deal is? Ninety five hours. Ninety five hours. To talk to him. Ninety-five dollars to talk to the veterinarian. No, yeah, the, whatever. No national canine poison control. Yeah. Whatever the hell that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that special? So it's like a day's pay if you're, if you're, you know, uh, you know, a blue collar worker or something. It's like a day's pay. Oh yeah, a day or day and a half anyway. Yeah, we wonder. We wonder how how screwed up we are in this country in a lot of ways. Not just shooting people, but it's it's really something. But uh, yeah. what what do you make of uh, kind of what's going on? Here? We had the the comeback day on Friday, we're going to have yep. 50 talking heads all day today saying there's no chance of recession. That didn't bother to look to the GDP now, this morning from Atlanta, which now has the second quarter minus 2.1%. And the first quarter yeah, was down. You know, so, go ahead. Yeah, but they're going to conveniently now do what they do, right? They're going to cancel the old definition. They're going to create a new definition. They're going to tell us that we're not in a recession because... Uh, unemployment is 3.6%, so we can't possibly be in a recession. Um, and so the old definition is so last century that it needs to be upgraded. And therefore, no, it's all good. We're not in a recession. Just keep focused. Well, the uh, the term, I mean, you've, you've been on the earth with me for a long time. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, what, what, why, why are people unclear on the concept that you can be unemployed and broke and you can be working and broke? That's right, because that that's going to be the new paradigm, right? Yeah. Because if wages are not keeping up, people are losing every single day with inflation at 8.6%, and wages sub that. So they're paying more for everything, so net-net they're in a worse position. So you're absolutely right. You can be employed and broke or living paycheck to paycheck uh, and that nobody down in Washington seems to understand. They just don't seem to understand basic economics uh, 101, no, I'm not sure exactly why that is. One of your, uh, shall I say, used to be on CNBC, not so much anymore. There was a guy on there this weekend I was reading how the Fed has no business cutting interest rates because uh, that won't help stop the recession. Um, they're probably right about that piece, but the idea of having, you know, 7 and 8% negative interest rates and they're, and they're thinking somehow that's going to help. Where does the other side get any argument here, Kenny? I, don't, I can't even figure out where the hell they're coming from. Can you? Yeah. I, well, I don't understand either, other than it becomes all political. They're trying to drive the conversation away from, you know, the economy onto, you know, let's focus on something else and take everyone's eyes off of what's really happening in the economy. But it's just incredible to me that they can that they can have this argument and think that we're all a bunch of, you know, that we're all a bunch of stooges not understanding or not seeing what's happening all around. Well, now, and here in this article, uh, I, I don't know, I can't tell if this is a man or woman, doesn't really make any difference. Sumathi Bala, do you know her or him at CNBC? No. Nope. Nope. And, and, uh, they're not sure about the U.S., but they expect recessions in the Euro area, U.K., Japan, South Korea, Australia, and Canada. That's just about everybody, don't you think? That's just... It's just not everybody, and I'm not sure why they're not sure of a recession in the U.S. Atlanta GDP now confirmed yeah. that we are in a recession in the U.S. I'm going to have to give those guys credit, Kenny. Every time they, they shift the numbers, and, I, and yeah. I'm going to say that you and I look at these numbers about as much, you know, for our clients as, uh, as anybody. I tell you what, those guys are, they're really good at stuff I don't even look at. They're saying, oh, the 
private domestic investment and U.S. you know investment and God knows what went down. So they 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 look at a lot of stuff I don't look at. Let's put it that way. It's, I kind of right. like reading them. I mean, I don't know if they're always right, but they sure as hell they they, they dig up these indices that I never even you know I, I, I see them, but I don't pay well, attention to them. Right, but they dig up the indices that help them tell their narrative, right? Because if they use the indices that we all use that are tried and true ones everyone looks at, it's going to tell a different story. So now they have to figure out, okay, how can we use indexes uh, and stats to prove our story is correct and their story is incorrect, right? I think that's what that really comes down to, and well, which, is what, which is so frustrating for, uh, for you know, joke to public, right? Because they realize it's not the case. Well, you and I are, O'Shea, schooled blinded. We, we only look at the indices that we think are tradable. We don't care about the other ones. And these guys, <laughs> these guys actually look, look at them. They'll, they'll look at, you know, U.S. Uh, direct investment in the quarter and you and I are going, how the hell do I right. trade on that one? Right. But obviously it makes it's a difference noise. in GDP. You know, but... It right. It's noise. Yeah. Right? They look... They, when they can't when they can't use the tried and true ones, they find ones that just create nothing but noise that nobody understands and then they try to make it the most important stat you know, uh, of the week. What the... Can you really, and you know what's interesting is you pointed it up. Atlanta GDP now has the second quarter at minus 2.1 or 2.2%, which is even worse than the final first quarter at negative 1.5. Right. And, you know, this, they were positive a week ago. You know, these, I was saying about right. these indices, exactly. like four or five of these right. indices came out in the last five days. Every one of them is horrible. They, wanted, right. they got they at the big... At the beginning of the quarter, they were looking for plus 2.2% GDP growth for the quarter. So at least they had the 2.2 right. They just had the wrong direction. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, so sometimes, Kenny, you have to hand an economist, I mean, not, not me necessarily. You have to hand, you have to throw him a bone or something. Uh, right. The last quarter, one of the numbers here, I, I got it here someplace. One of the, one of the numbers they came up with was, uh, uh, gross private domestic investment. Decrease from one point f- from thirteen point two negative thirteen point two percent to negative fifteen point two percent. Now you sit okay. there and say, okay. Yet the weird part, Kenny, I've been, you know, I'm one of the knuckleheads that looks at the GDP now thing, and one of the most yeah. fascinating things that I've, I've ever seen on there is it, is the savings per family and how it's you know it's been like eight thousand six thousand for the last eight years or so. It's been really low right. compared. I mean, the, the savings per family is like eight, and the debt per family is like fifty. You know, so it, it, it gives you a clue of how bad everybody else, everybody really is off, uh, right. not, not doing so high. Well, with all the PPP and all the other stuff, because a lot of companies are still, you know, uh, sole proprietors and stuff, so that becomes the person, the person's savings account. That number ballooned to fifty thousand, like last year or the last year. And it's been racketing down every single week since then. So now it's like twelve right. two or twelve five, and one of the first things you learn in economics one hundred and one, I still seem to remember it. I'm sure you do too. Is is savings equals investment? Right. So if if, if people are, are are buzzing through their savings because of inflation, it's going to spit right. out in the investment number, which it just did. Right. I, mean, I mean, the savings are down. I'm saying fifteen percent in the quarter. Guess what? So is, so is investment. Maybe the economists were right a hundred years ago when they did that formula. Right. I don't know if, if that's the one I put up there in front of everybody, but it seems like this stuff does actually match up, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it does. But, you know, it's funny. They're not they're not stats that, like you said, you and I look at, we trade on. You know, they pull these stats out when they when they need them. I mean, I, don't, I would not have any idea what that 
that is you just put it, the direct the GD. Well, me neither. The GD direct investor. Like, I've, I, I've never heard of it. I've never seen it. I don't trade on it. Well, I mean, I don't either, but it, it obviously is some sort of a measure of how much people are right. really spending. And you would expect, with all this stuff allegedly coming back, you know, from China where people are supply chain issues, you would think that every nickel that anybody has would be putting some kind of investment on trying to fill fill a need. And yet it doesn't right. seem to be happening. And that that's a problem, I think, don't you? Yeah. No, no, I think it's definitely a problem. It's definitely a problem. That's what's going to come back. You know, and slap everybody in the face if it's already doing that now. You know, what did you think of the? Uh, it, well, yeah, time for one more question, Ken. You know more about this than me. What did you think about the the the, the chip industry fiasco? Was it on Friday or Thursday with Micron? This Nvidia goes down like every single day. I mean, uh, yeah, Nvidia goes down every single day. And you know, I, I think that warning that we got uh, is is just a precursor to what we're going to hear. You know, this earnings season when they start next week. So I'm a little bit surprised. Because you're right, that and that industry is down. You know, I think the semis are down 36 or 37 percent year to date as a group. Um, but names like Nvidia, which, by the way, you know, happens to be one of my favorite names, I just can't. You know, investors in Nvidia just can't get a break. The thing just the thing just falls out of bed every time there's a whiff of, of some negative news story. I, I wonder if we. I just keep wondering if we're closer to the bottom than not in the semis. Well, that's uh, a couple of places I do business with. Uh, that's like their second biggest hole, and not them, the people in yeah. there. And uh, and I, yeah. it, I tried to get, yeah, I tried to get rid of buy. Widely held stock, Kenny. I tried to get everybody to let me protect it at one seventy five, two hundred. Nobody, nobody wanted any part of it. Now here it is, one forty two. Yeah. And he, he yeah. the last thing I do is I say I sold you, I told you so. But God bless it. I mean, this stuff was, you know, the stuff all was pretty high. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't hope it's not going to go much, uh, much lower here. Well, What's yeah, but, you know the feeling that the sense is with earnings starting next week. I think we're going to we're already starting to see re, uh, estimate revisions coming down. The concern is going to be not so much what the earnings are anymore because over history, but what are we going to hear out of the C-suite concerning the next four to six months? That's what's going to be really key this quarter. Well, the Fed was supposed to lower their balance sheet last month, and they didn't do they it. Didn't. And now this right. month, this month we see these bonds. Going up every day and the, and the rates going down. Are we are we seeing that the, the Fed is actually pouring money back in the system and they're not going to do what they said? Well, uh, you, you certainly you have to begin to consider that, right? Because you don't see the balance sheet going down and you see bond yields going down. So somebody's out there manipulating the market, right? Yep. It's pretty scary. Have a, have a good week, buddy. We'll talk at you next you week. Too. And uh, S and P futures down now thirty seven. Yikes. As if he's on 142, be right back, Professor Hal Snyder. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. 
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. Something happening here. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 37. Hands futures down 140. It's a far cry from us being up last night. Uh, we have the professor. Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, good weekend. Uh, great. We had an awesome fireworks show. and the the They have a... Every year they invite the uh, Salamanders, a great cover band. And... You watch the uh, the band perform live for a couple hours. You flip your chair 180, and the fireworks explode above the park. It's really awesome. Cool. There was yeah, some, uh, it was good, a fun time last night. I think there was some. We had uh, kind of funky weather here, so I don't know what the shows last night. Uh, I guess even though that Fourth of July was on a Monday, Matty, where I guess there were some shows last night. But did they die? It was rain early, and I guess there was a window in the middle for shows. I mean, I guess. Um, it couldn't have been nicer last night. The sky was blue. It hit about 95, but we had a, a breeze. Then it dropped to about 85 degrees, but it felt like 74. So it was just, it was awesome. Beautiful day, beautiful day. Um, we had a, a quick confession to make, and then I have to interview Maddie for a second. Uh, Maddie, the, uh, the, for the people who don't uh, know, Maddie A has been a friend forever. Great softball player uh, and a great producer. He also has like a real job where he's actually very, very knowledgeable around credit card uh, uh, security. So my brother Dan asked me to ask you, when you go to the Cub game and you pass your credit card down to the end to pay for a beer because they won't take cash, and the guy fills out his own tip sheet, whatever he feels like giving himself, and maybe sends you your own credit card down and maybe somebody doesn't take the number, how secure do you think that is? <laughs> Uh, in my experience, they don't do that. Um, well, they, he said yesterday he was there. Melzi uh, Saturday he said, "Yeah, that's what they're doing." But if that's what they're doing, then that doesn't sound great. But yeah, usually they have the uh, portable device, and so they give you, the, they hand you the device. You pop your card in, you you punch in your tip number, you take your card out, and you hand them back the device. Oh, he, he said they were passing. The, it's like he they, was in the middle of the aisle. They were just passing the credit card down. But I mean, if if you're in the middle of the aisle and there's a bunch of different people doing it, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm sure that <laughs> happened, <laughs> but that's that's not how it's supposed to the, go. The guy put his own tip down there and <laughs> sent him the receipt. Okay, yeah. And then maybe, and you don't want me putting mine in the in the the meter. Now he he's going to put his in every vendor's. Where do you where do you think that number is going? 
Well, those those handheld devices are, are actually pretty secure. Uh, a lot of restaurants use them and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, you don't want to be handing random people your credit card, I don't think, <laughs> even if they only have it for a second. Um, but, but yeah. So yesterday after the uh, – hey, well, I'll just real no, quick. Gonna, go ahead, pile on. I was going to say that there's a selection issue here. People who go to the Gubs game are probably not interested in your credit card. <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. There's always somebody that's interested, though. <laughs> You know, yeah, but that that one somebody is you know one out of fifty thousand. That's all it I takes. Too worried about. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, fear that risk too much. Well, I will say this: last night, my my bro had some dinner last night with the family, so it was, it was fun. Uh, he does every, on Sunday, great cook. So I'm driving over there and I stop and get some gas, right? Because they were like a dime cheaper. So I'm in the gas station pumping away, and all of a sudden I hear this single gunshot, or no gunshot, single like M80 went off. The first thing I did was look at the top of the gas station, see if there was somebody up there after after watching this stuff in uh, oh, yeah. Highland, Highland Park all day. I mean, it, it, well, how's that yeah. for a reaction, man? I immediately looked at the top of the gas station to see if there was somebody up there with a gun. How <laughs> scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, Professor, I have all kind of, I've been talking about you all week, last week, with other, other people coming on. You have me fascinated with this. Um, I, was, I, was, who was I, I was telling somebody on, uh, was it Friday? That I'm, I, uh, actually, no, we were out to dinner with a guy on, on Sunday night. I was having a, uh, saying, you know, when it comes to, uh, in, in old, old style inflation from back in the 60s, 70s, I don't know even if many professors are up on it as much as I am or was because I did it. I was, I lived it. You know, that's what I did for a company. And, and by the way, I was in class with Milton Friedman kind of when it was all happening. Um, I've never really understood this current inflation thing because it's a lot different until you kind of turn the light bulb on uh the I, we, we never went i won't say never but i don't think for any brief period of time we ever were ne- we never were interest rate negative during the 70s and 80s so i mean even though inflation was 12 percent, you could get on the black and get 14 in the at the bank so you as a saver never got hurt and the people who were uh, trying to borrow money at the time, they they were the people who were having the problem uh, because if you had you had a you know but but prices were so low on assets that it was actually kind of worth paying twelve percent interest to get the damn thing. But, but that's another story. This time, the inflation I think is actually a lot worse to be honest with you than it was back then. I mean, if you went through and I would chop up the CPI right now and make my own adjustments, I'm going to say inflation this time is is actually way worse. Yet the savers are totally screwed, and it, it's it's a totally different game. And what you're talking, you what you mentioned two weeks ago, that now has my mind just going goofy. By the way, you did that to me. Is the idea that this who's the winners on the negative interest rates? There were none of those people last time. Now this time, they're all over the place, and they're not you and me. The people that they could can borrow for a period of you know eight ten years at negative interest rates. You see these asset prices, baseball teams, football teams going to the absolute moon. Well, regular people that have savings don't get basically squat. Hell, how did how did this happen? Is is it the Fed uh, buying up all the stuff and keeping the rates low even when they should be? What is what is the difference? The power, how is it this time is is light years different than last time, except for the inflation itself? Well, I think I think what's going on is there's too many too much buy-in to the Fed being this. Uh, market institution 
that the Fed is necessary. The Fed has these uh, lofty goals in mind. What it is, it's a it's a price setting central planner, and its goal is two percent inflation. And I think in two thousand three, when it switched its discount rate policy from being below the federal funds rate, where everybody wanted to borrow from the Fed instead of other banks, it flipped it, and and it did that only because it had the federal funds rate at one, and the discount rate was at uh, 50 basis points, 0.5. And I think the only way it flipped it there is because it thought it might need to take the federal funds rate lower, which would put the discount rate negative. So, I mean, what that t- what's that telling you is that the Fed really... I don't think the Fed really understands economics. I think they're filled with a bunch of statisticians who do economics, or mathematicians who do economics. And I was like that in the early 2000s. So you have all these people who don't understand markets, don't understand that we're not these aggregates. We're, we're, we're not the consumer. We're individuals. And the, the problem with viewing people as the consumer, it's like planetary planetary mathematics, right? You can you can you can set a satellite next to an asteroid to knock it off its course with the Earth. But the thing is about humans, humans every day have to make decisions to sink or swim. You throw a stick or a, a rock into the, the lake, the stick floats, the rock sinks. Humans have to make the decision to swim, to survive. And the the, the problem with the Fed is it aggregates it's mathematical, it's statistics, and it, I think there's way too much groupthink there. And I think, they, I think they think they're doing a good job. But in the end, they're just central planners, and central planning never works. It just wrecks people's lives. It wrecks the economy, and it's wrecking the economy right now. And the, and the, and the Congress in 2006 gave the Fed the right to pay interest on reserves in 2011. They moved that implementation date to October 2008. And at that point, you see this change. I think you see margin debt explode. The Fed can buy as many bonds as it wants, whether it's in a lowering interest rate mode or it's in a, in a, a raising interest rate mode. It can buy as many bonds as it wants. Because that interest on reserves is a binding price floor. And when it builds all those reserves up, all those excess, they don't call them excess reserves anymore. They just change the name to reserves. It's a flood. It's a, it's like a, a massive snowfall. And then it just builds up and up and up. And the Fed right now is raising the dam height to keep those reserves from flooding out. If those reserves ever came flooding out, We'd have a we'd have a hyperinflation situation. Well, is he... it's just a it's just a it's just a combination of trying to do the right thing, and they're ignoring markets. And you know they're they know, you know they don't know or understand markets. They don't understand people. They don't understand human behavior. They they just kind of throw things at the wall and hope it works. Well, is it... I honestly think that. And they have good intentions. I think they have good intentions. See, I, I'm getting much more suspicious on the intentions part. But I mean, I'm just yeah. I'm just being 
is a, is a, is a, is a simple solution you got here, which I was just <laughs> fighting with Brendan and not, not have any simple solutions. Somehow or another, I, I think they, they is this was this too simple? The idea is when the interest rates were you know whatever, go back five six years, say they're they're like zero. I mean, I had a bunch of clients. Well, I still have them, and they would they asked me. They said, "What is?" What do you see out there? I said, well, interest rates aren't going to stay at, at zero. It, it's like the mirror image of 1981 or 82 when they were 15. I said, that would, you know, buying bonds, 30-year <laughs> bonds at 66 back in August of 82 was the trade of the two decades. I said, right now we're in a situation where these rates can't stay here. Selling these bonds here is going to be the trade of the next two decades or at least in the next decade. And I, I honestly believed it. I was absolutely accurate, I think, and but I never anticipated that the Fed would go. They would say because if you're sitting there going, "Hey, these rates are here, and and what what can happen?" You're gonna you gonna you want to be a seller of bonds at one percent for God's sake, right? I mean, is it, is it, I mean, a ten year, one and a half percent. You you got to be a seller of that bond or a buyer of the rate, which is the same thing, correct? And uh, think about this: the Fed has to, the Fed is going to be selling. Right, but that, that's, that's what I'm getting to. Is selling. That's what I'm getting Think to. Think about the impact. Yeah, it's just that's what I'm getting to. They're they're, they're saying we're not going to let these rates go up, even though they should, because we're spending all this money, and, and the treasury is now going out and borrowing. Where I mean, you and I know, or at least we think we used to know, that the more you go and borrow, every time you go out there, you got to pay a little more than the last time, right? Because the money's more dear to the person you're taking. This is simple economics. And then all of a sudden, now oh, that's not working. And every every time I shorted these things, I'm going to say I shorted them 10 times, 20 times in the last five years. And uh, I'm probably 50%. That should have been a trade where I, just, I did it once and just put my feet up and, and watched the money come in every day. Now look at this. Look at the, the This 10-year has got no business being back under three. These guys now, they're saying, no matter what happens, we can't let this rate go up. Probably because the, the federal government has so much debt. They're, they're essentially going to throw any, that, that federal balance sheet, they don't care if it gets to 20 trillion. They're going to keep these rates down. They're not going to let you and I make money on the obvious trade, right? Because yeah. somehow or another, they've, they've usurped this whole thing. And what you brought up to me three, four weeks ago, there's always somebody. That no matter what it is, no matter what the policy is, is going to figure out where the loophole is. And the, yeah. loop, and the loophole that, that you, I think, incredibly said three, four weeks ago that I, I never saw, being the, the alleged expert on the last time, I never saw this time, is when somebody's going to give you money at two percent or one percent, and these big companies and whatever it is, you got to take it and you got to buy crap. I, and and I and I didn't do that. I should have said. I'm not, if I if I can get a, a mortgage rate at two point nine, I better buy some friggin' houses. And yet, yeah. I, I don't think that way. Hell, it, other people obviously are smarter and more aggressive than me. They do. I would never have thought to go buy a baseball team at two billion dollars when I'm sitting there doing the math, going, "Boy, if, if I actually had to write out that interest check, I could never make any money." And now they're five billion. I mean, you're you're the one. If, I don't know if you figured it out three or four years ago, but I wish you would have told me. I mean, clearly. Well, I think I wrote about it in some op-eds about the net interest margin. You know, uh, if the Fed is if the Fed is lending to uh, institutional bankers, I, I was talking. I think I was talking about this in my class. If they take the federal funds rate negative, the people that they're lending to can still make money. 
Yeah. Because it's that, that, that margin, that, that arbitrage. It's all about the arbitrage, right? Well, it's also it's all about down the down. arbitrage. You can borrow at a lower, you can borrow at a lower negative rate, right? And then lend it at a, a higher negative rate and still make money off of it. Well, but it also, I don't, I don't know if it's arbitrage, hell, or if it's participation. In 1981, my, my mother was able to go down to the Evergreen Savings and Loan and get 12.5%. Yeah. You, you and I can't get 2% loan for a billion dollars and go buy something. Yeah. It, 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 if we want to borrow money, it's on the credit card at 24 or wherever the hell it is, or 17. I think I do better than 24, but I'm saying for this participation never got down to the real people. Where in the 70s and 80s, the high interest rates, real people who were in the shape, who had money, were able to benefit by that. But this time, other than mortgages, which all basically just drove the price of the house up, other than this time, the Hal and Chief and Matt Weber Plumbing Company was never able to triple in size at 3%. Which, so the, the participation is way different this time. That's why you see the amount of money going to a certain group of people and not the rest. Or, or, correct my paper. Am I wrong here? So when I see stuff like that, I'm not so sure that it's just random good good, good deeds on the part of the Fed that it just happened to not work out so hard. I'm wondering if some of this isn't planned. Hey, I like getting 2% money when all the other idiots are paying 20% on their credit card. This is cool. I, don't, I, don't, I think those people yeah, have I figured mean, that out. Bank of America borrowing at negative two because the Fed funds rates at one. Yeah. Right? Bank of America borrowing at, at one, lending to a billionaire at three, right? Both rates could be negative. Yeah. And Bank of America is making money on that. Yeah, and, and, and lending the rest of the champs at 22. Yeah, yeah he can make, they can make money on that 24% spread, I think. Well, you know, the intended consequences of that, or the intended consequence, what do you want to think about it, if it's nefarious or not, is that Americans don't save for the most part. And I think that's the goal. They don't want us saving. They don't want us putting our cash into an oil can. They don't want us putting our cash into passbook savings. They want us putting our money into either consumption or these kind of like rigged retirement accounts, right? I mean, I, I don't have any access to that money at all. It's really difficult for me to alter my investment strategy. I have to keep it with the company. There's all kinds of restrictions on it. It's almost like they're, they, they, it's like a, a polite force. I have to keep my money in those things. And then you got all these different kinds of taxes. And I think what it does to Americans, it just turns them into good little consumers. And Bush wanted that after 9-11, if you remember, right? Oh, yeah. Nothing to see here. Return to consuming. He gave it away right there when he said that. Go back to being a good little consumer. And the consumer who doesn't save and invest is getting pummeled. Well, I mean, if you look at just M2 Velocity, that M2 Velocity tells it all, in my opinion. It's like an upside-down V. It, it's headed straight down. And what that tells me is, since this whole thing with interest on reserves started, and the Fed started buying in all these different uh, securities, expanded its portfolio, I think GDP has been way overestimated. And that just means inflation is way understated. 
which means our current recession is probably deeper than we think. Well, and it's just fake. To me, it's just fake. All right, so all this money gets poured into the markets. All right, can I back up? Benefits a, from that. Can I back up a second here for because we yeah. for for because uh, you're you're teaching a graduate class here, which is great because people love hearing it. But let me back up just a hair. We're talking about M two vo- uh, velocity, and, and correct me here if I'm if I'm wrong. There, big, big prof. Uh, the there's a, one one of the equations in, in economics that's pretty hard to argue against. It's money. The amount of money in a system times the amount of times it turns is equal to the amount of goods that are produced times the the uh, price level. Correct? You know that has yeah. that has to equal. Or or m times v equals nominal GDP. That's how I say it because right. it right. rhymes. Yeah. So it, it so it has to. <laughs> so what what I think what, what you're what you're seeing, Hal, and this is what I'd love to have be in a position like you are, where I could actually do some. There's some PhD papers. In what you and I have talked about the last three weeks, I honestly believe. Well, I think so too. Um, I, my well, research comes from lived experiences. Well, I, here's the, I think when you look it at this, it doesn't come from the literature. And again, I, some of my behavioral economics stuff, even though the University of Chicago guys did it, I learned a, a bleep load from William Kennedy in his book Freedom from Fear, where, where, he, where he keeps he kept he kept dissecting uh, parts of the economy and parts of the people. And, before then, I was just put it this way: I was just a regular dumb economist. <laughs> don't take, don't take that because like you're you're going to save now. I would sit there and go, okay, the numbers were X, therefore there wasn't a recession or, or everybody was doing good, you know. And his and his point was, you can't look at it that way. During the twenties, the agrarian part of the system was in a depression. A lot of the other areas in in, in some of the smaller manufacturing towns are in your and your uh, a fabric or whatever you want to call it, textiles, they were they never came out of a recession in the twenties. And then you had the other twenty percent that was kicking butt, buying nice cars, and that's where all the money was flying around. I'm, I'm going to say that when you talk about vol- velocity being down, the group of people that have amassed a lot of this capital, they almost can't spend it fast enough. So unless you buy a ball team for five billion dollars, so that piece of the velocity is really low. But I'm going to say the rest of the of the world, they can't they can't. Uh, n- nobody's putting twenty percent of their money in, in savings every month. That whole group, the minus eighty percent, which probably is up to people with making two hundred thousand a family, not a person. I'm going to say their velocity amount money is a hundred percent. I don't I don't think that they're saving a dime. I don't think so either. I think uh, you look at their the mortgages, buying new cars or leasing new cars. Um, people making up to two hundred thousand dollars. I think they're pure consumers, and that's what the people at the Fed, I think, want. Right? That's what the policymakers want. They want us to be good little consumers. I think FA Hayek had it right when he said the curious task of economics is to demonstrate to men how little they really know about what they imagine they can design. Yeah, well, and the Fed, that is the Fed to the T. It is a Rube Goldberg machine. Well, and I thought I had to figure it out. I thought I had to figure it out until they threw in this interest on reserves. And I was trading on Fed uh, policy. I was manipulating my retirement account up until they, the Congress gave them this tool, interest on reserves. And I just kind of gave up. Why, I was why, doing really good why, up until why, that point. Why did they do that? But I, well, I think, I think they had to do interest on reserves. I think it was the thing that Milton Freeman 
proposed back in the 70s, but I think when they implemented it in 2006, and it was supposed to go into effect in 2011, when they gave the Fed the policy tool in 2008, it was about the same time when federal funds rate had gotten down to one, right? And I don't think they have the authority to make the federal funds rate negative. And so what, what they were thinking is, what the Fed was telling Congress is, at the, at right around September, October 2008 is, man, we gotta, we gotta, we're gonna put a price for um, these mortgage-backed securities. We have to buy a bunch of them. We need the authority to buy them, one, and two, we're gonna, we're gonna inject so much money into the, into the banking system, the federal funds rate's gonna go negative. So the Congress with Paulson, uh, Bush and, you know, the Senate and the, Congress, they they moved the implementation up to October 2008, and then right after that they started just buying securities. I think they bought 600 billion in a matter of uh, a month or two. And if they would have done that without interest on reserves, our federal funds rate would have went negative. You think uh, Paulson was still? They they put in that price floor at 0.25, right? Wow! So it was induced. It was an induced liquidity trap. Do you think Paulson um, ever really stopped getting a paycheck from Goldman Sachs while he was under the government employee? Well, whether he did or not, <laughs> when he rotates out of government, he's going to get that nice paycheck. Oh, God. It's, That's uh, the key. Well, right. You know, when you talk about uh, velocity, you'll hear, uh, I don't have that much time here before break, but the people talk about that there actually was, uh, we had a, a depression in the 30s, and then we had a one good year in the, and the Fed screwed it all up and put us back into a res- uh, another depression, right? There actually was two. Yeah, because they were they were jacking up the reserve requirements. Well, they right? were, which shrank the money supply. But there actually, but actually, two other things happened. The one year we allegedly came out of it was that the, uh, and you know, you might, it might not be on the tip of your tongue. Remember, well, not remembered. Remember your history, whereas they had all the people from World War One that were camped out in front of the White House, and finally MacArthur went in yeah. and burned down the city and everything. What those people were were, were uh, demonstrating for is when you got out when you got out of the army in those days. That's when you got your paycheck, not not week to week. So the people who fought in World War One, they had never gotten their money, right? So yeah, and, uh, and for some reason Roosevelt, which is totally weird, there actually was a a bill that went through and said you got to give these people their money because we're in the depression. We owe it to them. And Roosevelt vetoed the damn thing, which is so weird on him and his behavior that I know of anyway. So, uh, like a couple years later, they actually voted again and overrode the veto. So in 1936, they actually sent out all these World War I checks to everybody. And I'm going to say, hell, there's never been velocity like that. Those people who had any money for for six, seven years, they must have spent it that afternoon you know, on stuff they needed. Yeah. And the second part was... In 1936, the government decided that it was illegal for you to hold gold in your house. Yeah. So they went from town to town. Step, that was step one. Yeah. And in the gold. Uh, yeah. well, so, so they went from town to town and actually bought gold from everybody. So between those checks going out and them buying the gold from everybody, there was a massive federal injection of cash into the economy to where everyone bought stuff. But it wasn't long lived enough to, for people to actually have to go back to work and start wait, making more stuff. They just bought the stuff that kind of was on the shelves. So it looked like there was a, a comeback in the economy in 1936, but there really wasn't. 
It was those two things that it was like a blip in the middle of the depression. And then, like you say, yeah. the, the Fed saw that and decided to raise the reserve requirement a little bit. I don't know if that was anywhere near as much of a of a, a turnoff as people thought because nobody was borrowing anyway. But so yeah. I mean, that, that even that that whole piece, if you actually read the details, I don't know what the Fed screwed up because because well, I, I think what the reserve requirement did is you had banks holding massive reserves, and I think the Fed's looking at the banks going, "Hey, we." I think psychologically, we control reserve yeah. rate, uh, ratios. So they start raising them up, and what that does, it hurts the banks who weren't holding large excess reserves. And that's what the problem is. Right. And that goes back to this idea of averages and aggregates, right. right? Assuming that all banks are in the same situation. You had some banks with high excess reserves, and some banks that had low excess reserves. When the Fed comes in and hits that reserve requirement up, it hurts the ones that weren't doing it, right? Well, how so about we the problem to, with aggregation. How about we go to Assuming break? Everybody's we can, the same. Let's go to break. We come back. We'll tell everybody what a reserve requirement is because we're talking about it. SVP is up 42. NASDAQ is up 145. Not looking so good here after we were up last night. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. 
Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Thomas, Brent Weber of the board. SP Futures out of 43 now, and the SP Futures down 149. I never have expected this after seeing uh, the markets last night. They weren't up that much, but they were pretty solid across the board. Uh, Dow Futures down 309. I have every single stack in the pre-market in the Dow uh, is down. Uh, so the big ones are Goldman Sachs down 5. I've got uh, Home Depot down 334. Um, I've got Microsoft down 278. Now, here, let me forget, I got a Home Depot option trade story. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do after this because I, I, I tend to forget these days. But some, yet another example of some huge trade. And we wonder why the hell people are doing it. Over in Europe, we've got DAX down on 314, 2.5. That's, that's way, way worse than it was an hour ago. Puts you down 138, 1.9, same thing there. Kek around down 151, 2.6. So, yeah, they, it says that you're, European stocks have failed to create momentum. That's, that's right, except the momentum now is down. A Dow on Friday is up 321, almost exactly where we are now. S&P down up 39, and we're down 46, so worse. NASDAQ up 99, and we're, uh, on Friday we're down down 161. So I can't, I can't believe we're giving up all on Friday, but we are. For Asia, these guys have been closed while this carnage is happening. PK up 269, 1%. Shanghai down 1, call that flat. Hang Seng up 22, that's pretty flat too. Uh, bonds. Now 7 basis points, 2.83. The bun down 11 basis points, 1.22. They were at 1.68, say, two weeks ago. Japan unchanged at 0.22. We've got oil up a little bit, 45 cents, 108.88. Rent down a buck 24, 112.26. Natural gas down 30 cents, 5.42. Our Bob down a penny, 3.66. We've got gold. Gold down 30 cents, 18.01, but I guess it's back over 1,800. Silver up 7 cents, 19.74. Uh, copper down 11 cents, 3.48. Uh, crypto, Bitcoin is down 402 now to 19.389. It was over 20 yesterday. Also, uh, we had a big low here against the, the euro. I got the euro down to 102. I, don't, I mean, I think the euro was below $1 at one point, but this is as low as I've seen in like a really long time. But the pound is now down to 120. Uh, which again, really, really low. We'll ask Cal the ramifications of that as soon as Medis don't. Traffic Weather Sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Looks like we had an earlier crash at the Dan Ryan. Um, it doesn't give me a side street here, but uh, the crash has been cleared, but we're seeing that Ryan's still pretty jammed up in uh, both directions from that earlier crash that has now been cleared. So that's our slowest moving area right now. The earlier crash on I-80 uh, right at Torrance is uh, no longer an issue, and uh, there's no traffic-related volume due to that crash anymore, so that's good news. If you're coming in on I-57 or the Bishop Ford, it's looking okay. Same for the Stevenson. Eisenhower remains quiet. Edens and Kennedy are still looking good. Uh, only other concern in the area is uh, the Reagan Memorial I-88 on the westbound side before Raymond Drive. There's an accident blocking the three right lanes. This is out in the Naperville area. Apparently a semi left the road and is stuck in the ditch during the extrication of the semi. Another semi pulled off in front of crews and caught fire. 
so multiple scenarios there uh, right in the same area on I-88 on the westbound side in Naperville that has that uh, expressway completely blocked up. Everything else looking good out there. Weather today, sunshine early, and then some thunderstorms rolling in this afternoon, a high of 84. Right now it's mostly clear and 77 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 103 today. Right now it's clear and 89. In sports, Sox lost to the Twins last night in 10 innings, 6-3. Cubs lost to the Brewers up in Milwaukee, also in 10 innings, 5-2 was the final in that one. Diamondbacks beat the Giants 8-3, and it was JT Pastone who won the John Deere Classic this weekend in the Quad Cities. Chief. Um, now just real quick, we have a, uh, last week I still get these option uh, uh, reports, you know, option trading, unusual activity. And tell you what, it's, um, if you blindly follow these things, I mean, it's, you've had a rough couple of months because uh, these guys are, are, are buying thousands and thousands of stuff. I think it was was it AMD last week. Somebody bought the seventy five calls on Wednesday, and I think seventy two, and everyone got close to. Well, on was on Friday, your late Thursday, early Friday. Somebody, I got Home Depot's trading uh, two seventy five. That's after being down three bucks. It was up Friday, so this must have been Thursday afternoon. Somebody buys now. Granted, they have uh, earnings in August, so they must have done this uh, in anticipation of an earnings play. But somebody buys. Uh, the August 210 puts that are 65 hours out of the money. Buys like 20,000 of them or some crap for like a dollar 30. It's like a two and a half million dollar trade, Al. I mean, do you honestly think that Home Depot is going to get the, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it would, but if you thought this thing was going to go down $70, you know, in uh, August, I really wish you would hire me to tell you a better way to do it. I mean, is that, I mean what kind of trade is that? What's up, uh, sorry, Tom, I, I have a hard, hard, hard time hearing you. Well, I'm saying the, somebody bought 20,000, somebody bought 20,000 of the August 210 puts at Home Depot and paid like a buck 40 for them. Stocks, wow, 275. Now earnings are, are right, right before that date. But I mean, if, if you think it's, if you think it's going to 210 in August and you're going to hand me two million, two million dollars, I guarantee you I could find you a much better way of getting there than buying those puts. I do some kind of a spread or something, for God's sake. I mean, what are, what, what are these people doing? Is it somebody spent millions of dollars on some trade AMD list Thursday and the stock didn't go anywhere near where it was good? These are, these are, these, these two and three million dollar bets people are just winging out there. It's like, like some drunk at the crap table. I mean, where, where do these people well, get this you know, kind my, of money to piss away? My I wife and I were talking about, my wife and I were talking about this last night. My, my son and I are into watching Stranger Things and the, uh, hunky guy in the show, Steve the Hare Harrington, he doesn't have a girlfriend, and my son Joe is asking me us about uh, why the uh, the popular guy, the handsome guy, doesn't have a girlfriend. And I, what I said is, well, there's probably a couple things. One is there's no scarcity in terms of girls who like him, right? As opposed to a nerd, there's scarcity, right? So the nerd values the woman more, right? The also there's another component to it, the moral hazard of it, right? If the Hare Harrington treats a girl badly, there's ten girls lined up to date him. I think it goes back to moral hazard. I think the, the Federal Reserve uh, and government policy in general creates moral hazards. And and I think you saw that a lot of that in 2008, where you had, I think, I think one of the things that came out of 2008 
And I was opposed to, I was telling my students in early 2008, I was opposed to whatever they were going to do later on. But I think what happened in 2008, they created all this moral hazard. The Fed, the Treasury, they come in here and they bail out all these corporations. So instead of guys like Michael Blurry owning Wall Street, they bail them out, they run out the shorts, and Wall Street survives. And when, when, when government does that, it tells people that, hey, you know what, whatever you do, whatever bad decision you're going to make, we're going to take care of it. So they never have to learn from their bad mistakes. So I, I think that's what, what's really driving a lot of this, is all the moral hazard that government policy creates. You can, you can make bad decisions, don't have to worry about it, because the taxpayer is going to socialize your losses. Well, you, that's, why you, that's where a lot of this comes from. Well, that's why you have to be, hey, real quick, we, we promised before break to, to uh, define what we're talking about reserves. I'll do this in 30, yeah. 30 seconds or less, I promise. If, if Matty Weber goes into Hal's bank and he drops a million dollars in there as a deposit, he found it under his mattress, it's gold, and it goes in there, and I go in there and I want to make a, I want to borrow money from the bank, the bank, there, there's a reserve requirement. They can only, well, when I was in school, it was 20%, but I don't know what it is now, but they can only lend out. Yeah, zero now. Yeah, zero now. It's zero now. It used to be. Yeah, they zeroed it. Yeah, it used to be they could lend out. Um, 10%. 800,000. Yeah. And then I would they, take, they'd have to keep yeah. 10%. Well, well my, in my day, it was, it was 20. So then they would, actually it was 20, 21. Then, so then if I put my money back in the bank, they could only lend out 640, and, and they're in down the line. So there was a multiplier effect, and that's what a reserve requirement is. Okay, go, go on to what you were just saying. I, 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 well, uh, regarding the reserve requirement? No, what I was, what I was talking, I was just, it was a definition I said I'd give before the break, so I just did, so. We're on to the next subject. We're on page two already. I just I just backed this up. Okay, well, real quick, uh, what's on page two? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying you were, you were talking about how when, when these guys, it it becomes very collegial. Uh, I mean, I was there, I was only on one board, and I always talk about it, but I think the the people the people never change, right? Uh, yeah. Because some of the stuff I studied in college actually, they made us go to places where there were. Uh, uh, small group dynamics, and I, I went to like a couple of the villages around us, Evergreen Park, in some place. And you had a chart, everything positive, negative. People said body language. You had to do all that stuff to try and learn something in small group dynamics. It's, it's. I mean, the 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 Fed's job is to take care of the quote the system, but o- over time, their idea of the system are the five biggest banks. To yeah. where you and I might say. I'm going to protect the banking industry. I'm going to make sure savers get taken care of. I really don't care if they bleeped up so bad, whether Wells Fargo, if those guys ever get another paycheck, and we break them up into small, 10 smaller places and have 10 boards and get rid of those, the mutts that are on that board. I mean, you and I, would I could care less. I, I would go for the system. But if I'm working my way up the thing forever, and every single meeting there's somebody from Wells Fargo or somebody from City, they become the, quote, system. And when, yeah. when we go well, to the, go ahead, I was the Fed is a government granted cartel of the banking system, right? Right. If, if you if you think that a lot of times I'm conflicted by whether it's intentional or not, but if you look at the financial crisis 2008, a lot of that money, I think half of it went to banks, and it was given to them because they were too big to fail, right? But half that money went to them getting even bigger. Well, they use the yeah. money to get even bigger, right? Well, the 
But work your way through. Yeah, I mean, do, do the uh, yeah. do, do the, the, the stupid critical stuff like I do a little bit. Look look at the criticism that the Fed yeah. got in 2007-2008. That these banks lost so much money, they were in danger of taking the system down. So if you're some one way of going about that to fix it next time, let's make sure the banks have ten times as much money so no matter how bad they yeah. screw up, they can't go under and come after us and blame us. But that, that right there is highly correlated to moral hazard. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on... I'm on diversity council right at Westminster College, and I have colleagues that I love who want to burn the system down, right? They want to start over. I would rather not give these too big to fill banks all that money so that they're even bigger, right? Yeah. I would have, I would have preferred to have the system burning down, quote unquote, with guys like that owned the shorts, the guys that thought owning these Wall Street banks, but I would have burnt the system down because it would have ended that, that revolving door from Treasury and Fed into these investment banks, right? And that's what they are protecting. They make the money at Wall Street, they do their quote-unquote public service at the Treasury and the Fed, and that's what they are protecting. They weren't protecting the system. But, but, but they were protecting that revolving door. I'm saying it becomes very personal. But, but the weird part is, is it can change, which is, which is kind of weird. We should have a whole show on this one of these days, or at least a half a show, or kill everybody. Uh, when I started the business, all it, you know, on the SEC side, I mean, it, you know, they did their stuff. It's not like they didn't do what they were supposed to do, but they they were so tight with the New York Stock Exchange, it was considered SEC SEC North was the U.S. or the SEC was the NYSC South. I mean, well, they, they were so tied together at the hip. That uh, you know you couldn't a specialist could do whatever he wanted he would never get spanked ever you know type of yeah. but now that's all changed to where now they're the slaves to these big payment for order flow places that is so diametrically opposed to what even the New York Stock Exchange was designed to do where customer priority those kinds of things all that stuff's out the window but now they absolutely feel they're getting their paycheck from the payment for order flow and these big firms that essentially look ahead every order and, and allegedly challenge zero commission because. The investment public is all for it for some reason. You know, as long as I don't pay commissions, I don't care what they do to my order. Okay, well, that, that, I guess that's been ingrained enough. And now the new the new boss is not the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, I mean it can change, correct? I mean, uh, this whoever they... Th- oh, it can change. You look at college football? Yeah. You look at the way college football from the NCAA had an iron grip on it for decades, right? Yeah. And you... you, and you I think I never thought I'd ever see the Pac-10 go on to Pac-0. Yeah. It went to the Pac-12, now it's down to Pac-0. And you have ESPN and Fox Sports basically dictating the teams that are going to be in the leagues. Yep. Right? You have the Big Ten saying, USC, you saw you're going to be in the Big Ten. And they say yes. Because they're going to get a lot more money if they're in the Big Ten. The Pac-12, I thought I'd never see the Pac-12 go to zero. But it is on the verge of it just falling apart. Well, there's going to be four major conferences, or maybe even yep. two, and the playoff system. I mean, you're not going to have an independent like Notre Dame. You're not going to have a, a Boise yeah. State. You're not going to have anybody like that sneaking their way in. They're going to lock them out. They're going to lock the cartel. Out. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, well, you know, here's the ironic. Here's the thing that ties into what we're talking about: the Fed. 
the market has wanted a playoff, right? And that's what all that's what's driving conference realignment. And the NCA and the schools continue this ridiculous notion of bowls. Bowls are a socialized system where everybody gets a trophy, right? So the market has been pushing, pushing for a playoff. And the NCAA football organization could have made a lot more money with the playoff system if they just adopted it all along. And the conference realignment is that playoff system where if the conference gets big enough, there's a championship game, and that ends up being the first round of a playoff. So this was all a result of central planners, cartelists, trying to prevent the market from working. And now the market is just saying, we're going to blow you over. It's like, a, it's like a black market, right? The black market is just the market telling the people trying to control it that, hey, we're going to blow you over. Yeah, but whoa, you gotta, you gotta the, so the market over a yeah. long enough t- period of time, you can't stop the market. Well, except... People are want it, people are going to get it. Right, but there's a, there's a, a big difference when you're talking about human beings. I mean, the, the market, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, Matty, the, the, the betting... The betting market that the, that the uh, younger people seem to absolutely love, they would like to see people pay college games every night and have a 40-game schedule and a huge playoff system, except for yeah. the fact that you're talking about 19-year-old kids playing a very dangerous, brutal game. All right, so there needs there, there's a problem there. It's not it's not college baseball. Yeah. It's not college basketball. You know, where who cares if you play an extra other game? It'll basketball for sure. Uh, Baseball, you might run out of pitchers. Well, if you remember, Tom, back in the eighties, I think teams played eight or nine games, right? Yeah. Now these teams without a playoff system, no, they played. They're playing twelve regular season games, yeah, and a bowl game. Oh, in a, no, in a playoff, yeah, and then right. and then and then you got to go into if you're one of the four, you go into a national game. But now yeah. the, the difference so they're, I, playing, they're playing fourteen, fifteen games. But the difference on your team, I mean, if if the Irish play, you know, well, they don't do as bad as other teams, but. If they play Sidewash State in September, it's not a, a max effort game. Even though you you know you, you could lose, I yeah. suppose. Well, but that's, it's not that's just, where the injuries happen, though. But it's not. No, I, I'm going to say. I'm going to say your injuries. Month off, right? There's that month off between the end of the season and your bowl game or your playoff game. Well, I guess where I'm that, going with this is that's bad for players. Your your, I'm gonna, it, the intensity and the whole team, not just one or two people. There's always be somebody good on the other team. The intensity. Of the games that the offensive line plays, let's say they got to play in the the Big Ten championship, then two playoff games. I'm going to say the intensity of those games is is like eight other games. Yeah, it's like a pro game, damn near. And uh, these kids are some of them are 18, so it's 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 kind of yeah. The, but 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 the, I, I think, and you can help me with this, and Maddie maybe can surely help. I'm going to say that if if we go to one more round of playoffs. All right, we the, they go from four teams to eight, and the trade-off is every team in the country loses their last game. As much as that playoff money is for those top teams, I don't think the rest of the teams want to give up that game. I don't. I don't think it adds up at all. I, what do you think, Matty? I have no idea. But I, I mean, how many? I guess how many? How many games are there? How many college? How many? Major teams are playing Division One in football. Yeah, one hundred and ten or something. Right, like so one hundred and fifteen. That's, that's yeah. fi- right. That's fifty-five games you'd have to give up to get four more playoff games. I don't. Can you make that? Can you make that work money-wise? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. 
you'd have to bank on the, those games being worth that much more than those other games that no one cares well, about. You also got to look at those 50 games that are lost. You got to look at those games. Boise State against Air Force is not going to generate any TV revenue. Right. No, I'm, right? I'm talking about TV. I'm so talking I, about. I don't, I don't think you're losing much revenue if you eliminate those last 50 games. Right. Well, I'm trying to make the distinction between if, if Wisconsin has to give up the Wisconsin-Iowa game, home in Madison. Well, they're not going to give up that game. Wisconsin have to stop playing, you know, a non-conference game okay, okay. where it's meaningless and it's just like a warm-up, right? right. There's been a up. lot of talk about... one boy team. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about only playing conference opponents. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. giving up the uh, Sisters of the Poor game, and, and a lot of these teams have two, maybe three of those games. Give those up, yeah. only play conference games, and then, uh Yeah. And then everyone makes well, maybe maybe one non-conference game, and then you know an eight conference game schedule, and then you go into the playoff system. Okay, well, I, I guess from again, my mind is clouded because you know I haven't been to a game there in ages. Maybe won't go again. The Irish have eighty thousand people. It's at least a hundred dollars a ticket. So what are we talking? Eight million bucks. You, are they going to give up that game? Are they going to get eight million dollars from their share of the four more, the four more? Uh, uh, playoff games. I'm going to say no. Well, I think that I think Notre Dame is because it's an independent. It's a, kind of like an outlier. Well, I mean, but when you talk about those, the majority of those 50 games that you have to stop playing, most of those aren't going to generate much revenue at all. There's right, very little interest in those. I guess, or I guess I'm going with it's this. Like the bowl is, games. Now, Ohio State is going to fill up to play sidewash. So is Michigan. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I gotta believe Wisconsin's full every game. I was, I was full every game. Many, a few, maybe they aren't, but pretty much those well, big, upper think, tier Big Ten teams are full every game, pretty much. Yeah, so, but I think those, I think tick, ticket sales are tiny compared to the TV revenue. So I, I think the gain is a lot larger than the loss. Well, I'm, I'm saying it, it's. I mean, we for 55 minutes here, we've been talking about how. You, you you can't really make these generalizations. It comes down to your pocket. I mean, if you're yeah. if you're if you're Iowa, you're saying, wait a minute, you, you're you're going to play four more national TV games where ESPN is going to make a bunch of money, and I got to give up a home game. They're going to say it doesn't work for me. Now, if you're if you're uh, you know Northern Illinois, for instance, and you say, okay, I'm going to give up a home game, but you're going to give me a check for three million bucks. I'll do it. I I wonder how big the check is for everybody, and I wonder how much I've given up. I think it's be very individual. I guess where I'm going with this. Well, I think I think a lot of the reason why we have 110 teams competing in Division One AA or One A, I call it One A. I think the reason why we have that is because we have monetary inflation. We have all this money being created in the last 20, 30 years, and that encourages schools like. Idaho. Idaho was 1AA and it was a really good program at 1AA to jump into 1A. I think it causes people again to make these bad decisions. Well, and so we have 110 teams roughly because of that. Everyone's a part of that pie. That pie's gotten so big because of all the money that's being printed and pumped into the system. Colleges are a bubble. You, when you got college teams with billion-dollar facilities, athletic facilities, yeah. Oregon, Arizona State, they're rolling up these they have better facilities than pro teams. Well, Southern, right? Southern Cal actually going to send their 
their volleyball and fencing team to to Penn State in the middle of the winter by air. air <laughs> 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 that doesn't make any sense. I, mean, I can't imagine that happening. I mean, uh, yeah. well, Kevin was talking about, Maddie, you weren't here on Friday. He was saying that you, you might end up seeing a massive split between the football program is in the Big Ten and the rest yeah. aren't. Right, and like then, Notre yeah, Dame does yeah. where they're in uh, the Big Ten for hockey and they're in the ACC for basketball and then football's independent. You could see a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah, I, can't, uh, I think if, if they would have went to a playoff and maybe an eight or nine game regular season and a and a, a 16-team playoff 15 years ago, there would have been four super conferences. You're going to do that again. I, I think there would have... Yeah, I think there would have been four super conferences. There would be no Big Twelve, but uh, the Pac twelve balked last year on the extended playoff, and UCLA and USC jumped ship a few months later. Right? Well, I think you there's guys, a lot of moral hazard, a lot of group thinking the Pac twelve. Or are you guys? Uh, Kevin brought up the, the concept on Friday of only he he was always been he and Maddie have been always agreeing on the four super conferences. Now Kevin's thinking it might only be two. SEC, yeah, it's going to be the Big Ten and SEC. Yeah, That's East it. and West. Right. Hey, I'll thank yeah. you very much. Good stuff, buddy. SB Futures down on 51. This is just getting ugly. SB Futures down 170. Manny, thank you. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.